Hey, it's Ron Johnson, and this is the Ron Johnson Show. I'm excited about today's show. Minnesota Vikings, Buffalo Bills, Stephon Diggs, Justin Jefferson, Kirk Cousins, Josh Allen? We'll see. This could be another Minneapolis miracle in Buffalo, and I'll tell you why next on the Ron Johnson Show. Locked on Sports Minnesota Podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. Now the Ron Johnson Show. On the field, in the broadcast booth, Ron Johnson is Minnesota sports. He's played with them, hung out with them, and grown up with all the big names in Minnesota sports. They're hanging out with Ron Johnson. It's the Ron Johnson Show on the Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast. And it starts now. Welcome to the Ron Johnson Show, and I'm your host, Ron Johnson. And this is the Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast network. And you know what? I talked about it earlier. This is the Vikings Buffalo Bills, 0-0 championship season, as P.J. Fleck would say. You can't worry about the Dallas Cowboys. You can't worry about the Patriots. You can't worry about the – you can't even worry about the Packers whose season might be over and it might be time for some love. You can only worry about what's in front of you. And what's in front of these Minnesota Vikings might be a little bit of a miracle, a Minneapolis miracle. But before we get into that, remember, you can now find Locked On Sports Minnesota on Amazon Fire and Roku. Download the Locked On Sports Minnesota app to get all your favorite shows. Well, as I bring in my producer, Sam Ekstrom. Sam, this is a Minnesota miracle or Minneapolis miracle part two. Like, it's it's coming. It's in the making. You got a possible Case Keenum and Stephon Diggs on the same field, not for the Minnesota Vikings, but for the Buffalo Bills. We know that Josh Allen hurt his elbow. Uh, a lot of people are speculating it's being elevated. They're looking at it. Uh, today is Tuesday, so players day off. He has another day to, to get uh independent uh, person to look at his elbow and let him know. But that 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 pullback of that arm at the end of that game, oh, it looked gruesome. Like it, it it looks like when one of those pitchers throws a nasty slider, and then you see their arm kind of shake, and then you're like, oh, I don't know, I don't know if that's gonna be good long term. And that's what happened to Josh Allen. That's why quarterbacks don't throw the ball the same way a baseball pitcher does to protect the elbow. Well, when you got a 280 to 330-pound young man grabbing on your arm and you don't know he's there and you're using all your force to pull through and throw a ball, that thing bends as much as it can bend. And that tendon or whatever in there, he it is, it is irritated because the fact that they are saying questionable, the fact that they're saying he might not play, they're going to see, they're going to hold him out of practice. Not to say you can't play, but hold him out of practice to rest him all the way up until Sunday. But do you really want to play a, a Buffalo Bills team without Josh Allen, without the ability to run, without the ability to say they knocked off one of the best teams in the NFL? You got Stefan Diggs on one side. You got Justin Jefferson on the other. And if Case Keenum finds a way at the end of the game to throw a deep ball to, to, to Stefan Diggs, is a Minneapolis miracle now go uh to the buffalo whatever buffalo miracle i can't even think of a b word that goes with miracle but sam this is where i go with this one if case keenum plays and the vikings handle them and they win this game are people still saying that this vikings team is not a legit eight and one team i feel like the story will be the vikings just keep drawing backup quarterbacks because they drew uh, Skylar Thompson slash Teddy Bridgewater, Andy Dalton, Taylor Heineke, all the former Vikings, basically. 
and now potentially Case Keenum. I, I would venture to say, though, that beating the Keenum-led Bills is still the most impressive win of the year. Consider their defense. Consider the weapons they have on that team. And consider who Case Keenum is. Case Keenum has been a starter in this league for several years, including on the Vikings. He's right there with Andy Dalton. I mean, Ant- maybe I shouldn't say that. Andy Dalton had a much greater you know, starting career than Case Keenum. <laughs> but he has that level. Like, he's played at the highest level in this league. Let's put it that way. Um, and there's a reason that he's got such a long career, because teams want him around, because he has sort of that lightning-in-a-bottle mentality where he can run around, make plays, with his legs and with his arms. He's going to give you some YOLO balls, like you, the phrase you mentioned yesterday. Um, and But I still think that would be an impressive win. However, if you beat Josh Allen in Buffalo, suddenly people are, are talking Super Bowl contender. No one's saying that yet, Ron. And this is where I go with this one, though. And this, I think people are overlooking it. Yeah, the Vikings have won uh, ugly. It hasn't been pretty. It's been some great plays. It's been some great defensive some performances every once in a while but overall statistically the fact that their defense is not a top 15 defense the fact that their offense is a middle of the road offense uh the fact that Justin Jefferson isn't having a a a, a historic season that they thought the fact that Kirk Cousins isn't the number like he isn't a top five statistical quarterback right now um but you add TJ Hawkinson so so many so so much stuff before they added TJ Hawkinson people were like oh this this team just doesn't do it for me. Like, they're winning, yeah, but they don't do it for you. But then when you look at the NFL rank strength of schedule up until now, so games teams have played up till now strength of schedule. The Vikings are 13th. The Eagles are 31st. So you can say whatever you want about strength of schedule and the fact that it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel great. It doesn't feel like it's not about feelings. Like, there's no crying in football. Like, who cares about your feelings? Like, it's not about what it feels like. It's about what it is. And this is the thing. Uh, uh, Luke Braun, you know, I have to do it. I'm going to do it Thursday. So bring this up on the football party because I need to say this to his face. Luke Braun is wrong. He is completely wrong about Kirk Cousins and some of the play calling, some of the throws. There's a a, a clip right now that he tweeted out that that he said – Kirk Cousins took the one-on-one matchup of Justin Jefferson versus Benjamin St. Juice versus hitting K.J. Osborne at the goal line. K.J. Osborne isn't the number one read. The read is to Justin Jefferson. If you get man coverage, you go to Justin Jefferson. If you watch, they are bracketed. From the camera angle that they're getting and the time in which the snap that you have to decipher, who am I going to? And then you don't have time in the red zone to come back to a second, third read without great protection. And the route he was running, it's not there. Like, these NFL players, this close, like he would have had to throw it right away before KJ Osborne broke. And in bracket coverage, you don't know where that inside defender is really going to go. Is he going to run to my guy? Is he going to go to number three? You, you know, what is he going to do? The, the throw is to Justin Jefferson one on one any day of the week. And so people like Luke Braun, they're the problem. They're the problem with, with Kirk Cousins' decisions because they assume if they watch one clip here and there, oh, he should have done this here. There's like four plays out there that you're like, oh, he should have done this. No quarterback, because no quarterback is, is, is 100% in completions. Because if they were, we'd be talking about it. Every single quarterback is about 69 or below. So that means three times a game out of 10, they're not throwing it to the right guy or their guys are covered. So I'm so tired of that narrative that, oh, Kirk Cousins doesn't do this, so I don't think this team is as good, so they're 7-1, but they haven't gotten it done. And he even, Who cares? 
Like, stop. Stop it. They are 7-1. and one. They have beaten some really good teams. Just because the Packers are suffering right now doesn't mean the Packers aren't a good team. The fact that they, you know, are dealing with, like the Lions, for instance. The Lions fired their DB coach, and all of a sudden their DBs come up with three picks. So maybe he was the problem. Maybe he wasn't teaching them the proper technique. Glenn Mason said this to us, and and before he, he brought this up about a coach, he said, I think it was Willie Hayes was his coach, and he said, he told a guy how to do something all week in practice, and then he gets in the game and he doesn't do it right. And Woody Hayes comes like screaming down the sideline, like, who that who that did this? Who did this? And Mason's like, I told him. I told him to do it. He's like, how many times you I told him like a hundred times. He's like, Well, you're not a good coach then. If you have to tell a guy a hundred times and he still doesn't do it, that means you're not a good coach. You can't say this player's dumb. That's the problem with old school football. Old school football is like, do as I say. Do it, do it, do it, or you're out of here. New school football, you look at PJ Fleck. What did he say? I was a sixth grade social studies teacher, something like that. I had to learn how to teach uh, a bunch of third or sixth graders different ways to learn. 30 different kids. I got to find. So he treats that as football players way. I got 30 to 40 kids on this offense. I got 30 to 40 kids on this defense. I got to teach them all how they learn. I can't expect them all to learn the same way. Tanner Morgan is not going to learn the same way Athen Kaliak Manis is going to learn. You know, Kirk Cousins is not going to learn the same way Justin Jefferson is going to learn. Adam Thielen's not going to learn the same way TJ Hawkins is going to learn. You have to figure it out. And it looks like the Vikings have figured it out because they're 7-1. and one. Kirk Cousins is shirt off on the plane. Not mask off. We, we talked about that with uh, Future. Mask, no, no, no. It's a new song now. Shirts off. Shirts off, people, because it's Kirk Cousins season. You got Adam Schefter doing it now. You got him on the Peyton Manning cast. Like, come on now. When has Kirk been this polarizing other than you like that? This man is taking the world by storm with his chiseled figure. Like, come on. But Sam, here, here's where I go with this, Sam. Because we got uh we got Alec Lewis coming up uh in the hanging with Ron Johnson segment. If you were to if you were to look at this season or this game, and Case Keenum does play, how bad do the Vikings need to beat the Bills for people to take them serious? Double digits. I think Ooh. I don't think it needs to be a, a million because you're on the road and the bills are still yep. really good. And obviously there's built in chemistry with Keenum and Diggs. I don't think you need to kill them, but if you need to win handily and you need to look somewhat good in doing it, like you need to prove okay. that you can move the ball consistently. We haven't really seen a four quarter performance. That's the one box that I want to check Ron. I want to see a four quarter performance where this mm. offense starts hot they keep it going in the middle, and then they end well. Uh, we've we've seen bits and pieces. Let's put it together for a full game and see if they can do it on the biggest stage. Well, the Bills were my preseason pick to go to the Super Bowl, so I'm still riding with that. I think they're going to get there. So I don't care if they don't play Josh Allen. I'll take a Case Keenum win. Why? Because it doesn't matter. Who cares who they beat? They beat them, and then they're going to end up higher in the NFC, and then they're going to play the Bills again in the Super Bowl, and then they get to beat Josh Allen in the Super Bowl. So who cares? I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. But before we jump over to the Hangover Ron Johnson segment, remember, you can check out the Minnesota football party on Mondays and Thursdays. And you're going to want to check out this Thursday because I'm going to let Luke Braun know, like, stop it. Stop it. There's no way that throw happens the way you think it should happen. So make sure you get your football fixed because it's coming with Arif Hassan, Luke Inman, Luke Braun, Sam Ekstrom, and the Locked On Sports Minnesota team. And we have a word from our sponsors. Well, this is fascinating, Ron. We're talking Vikings-Bills spread all week here on the Ron Johnson Show because it's on betonline.net, which is your number one source for football betting. Yesterday, it was Vikings underdogs by 7.5. 
Then the Josh Allen news. What's the new line? Buffalo minus six. Minus mm. six. The over-under is down from 48 to 45 and a half. Keep a very close eye on Vikings, Bills, Line, and all the other spreads at betonline.net. It's not just football. It's college football, MLB, UFC, you name it, at betonline.net, your top source for sports wagering information. Head there right now or on your mobile device, BetOnline, where the game starts. Well, now it's time to hang with Ron Johnson, and today's guest is Alec Lewis from The Athletic, covers the Vikings, and of course, the 7-1 Vikings get a deserve all. I mean, because we could talk Timberwolves, uh, we could talk Wild, but why? The Timberwolves aren't winning. The Wild, hmm, too early in hockey for me, at least. I need to get to the playoffs before I start really getting invested, <laughs> and if the Wild don't make it, then I'm not invested at all. So I'm going to invest in the 7-1 Vikings team, but let's talk to somebody else who's invested, and that's Alex Lu Alec Lewis from The Athletic. Alec, thanks you for joining me on the Ron Johnson show. Uh, let's jump out there right away. Uh, you were down there in DC. You saw this Vikings team take care of business. Now it, it didn't start off the way everybody assumed it should, uh, but they got it done in the end. Uh, but, but when the you, at home, you have faith cause you're at home. Uh, cause I know when I'm at the stadium, when it's a home game and, and it's a little dicey, I get worried. But when you were there in DC, like, were you, did you feel like, you know what, this is a Washington Commander's Day? You know, in some ways, no. Like, I remember in my head, maybe as, like, the third quarter started and, and started to go, I was like, you know what, it still feels like there's a chance they could come back in this one. I don't know if that's just built up by the weeks of watching this team because, I mean, I know once the game ended and the Vikings had come back, I sat back in my chair and I'm like, this is like the same thing that we've seen every single week. And it's it's just like baffling. It, it's draining. It takes a lot out of you. I can't out of me. I can't even imagine what what it's like for the guys on the field for Kevin O'Connell calling plays. I have no idea. But it, it was a weird like internal dialogue in my head of like, I still think there's a chance they come back in this, even for as dominant as Washington's defensive line was, and for as as seemingly just uh I don't know. It was such a lull for the offense. So it was, it was, it was interesting just to, to watch it play out just like all these games have been. It, they've all been crazy. Yeah, when you look at the stats right now in the NFL, so I'm going to go just passing yards. It doesn't take into account per game or bye week and all that crap. Right now you got Pat Mahomes, number one. You got Tom Brady, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, who may not play. You got Justin Herbert, Geno Smith who has resurrected his entire career this year. He said, people wrote me off, and I didn't write them back. I love that line. You got Kyler Murray, who I don't think is better than Kirk Cousins. You got Aaron Rodgers, Trevor Lawrence, Jalen Hurts, uh, Jared Goff. You got Matthew Ryan, and then the bench Matthew Ryan, who got his coach fired, by the way. And then you got Kirk Cousins. But when you look at that list, and you're talking about polarizer, polarizing figures for the season, has Kirk Cousins become, I mean, because Pat Mahomes is still Pat Mahomes. He's going to make plays. Uh, Joe Burrow's team isn't doing great. Josh Allen's been there. But is Kirk Cousins one of the top polarizing, I guess, attention-getting quarterbacks this season? Uh, and, of course, it adds to the shirt off, you know, chain mentality. But has Kirk Cousins become one of the top polarizing figures under center this season, in your opinion? He's definitely ascended to the level of, like, the national psyche conversation. I mean, it, and I, it's obvious when you go shirtless and you you put on Justin Jefferson's jet chain, you're gonna. Any, I mean, it, it, you're ascending to that psyche regardless. But um, the fascinating thing I think about it is he's done it 
without playing well. Like Kirk, and he's even admitted this, that he, I mean, yes, in the fourth quarter of games, he's stepped up. And yes, when the team's needed him and when he's needed to stand in the pocket and take a hit and throw the football, he, he's done that. But I think overall and in general, he even said last week, like, I, 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 I drive home after these games and I think to myself, I can play so much better than this. So I, I, I continuously think, like, he's become a national point of conversation. What if he performs to the level I think he believes he's capable of? Then, then what happens? And it's, it's also, I mean, obviously this is my first year covering the team, but I remember a week before the first game, uh, you had Kyle Brand on Good Morning Football, like repping the Kirk Cut. So it's been kind of a, a developing um, thing that seemed to build off each other uh, as these weeks have passed. And I think he's embraced it, which has been one of the coolest elements. Like I think in the past, he might have just shied away from it and and kept to in into his himself and up for understandable reasons. He, he's he's got a family. There's a lot going on, but the, to see him kind of embrace it has been pretty cool. And when you look at this team, so, you know, normally with a team, and I've been on teams, and this is, it's true, um, the defense has their own group of guys they hang out with. Like NFL locker rooms, college locker rooms, um, you know, even probably high school, but high school is a little tougher because players go both ways, so you don't get it as much. But NFL locker rooms are clicky. They're really clicky. Like defensive backs hang out together. You got the receivers hang out together. You got the running backs. They hang out together. You got the quarterbacks in their little circle. You got this weird special teams guys doing their thing with smoothies and yoga over there. You got the defensive linemen, the linebackers. Everybody clicks up with their guys because that's who you meet with. But then when you unclick it and you go to lunch, you have, you know, the age group guys and the demographic guys. So you're going to have, and it's not about demographic and, and race, but demographic and what you like. Like, what kind of music do you like? What kind of movies do you like? Because that's what happens at lunch with those conversations. You talk about movies. You might talk about cars. So you got the car guys maybe over there with Daniil Hunter and Eric Kendricks uh, and whoever else loves cars. But then you have your Dalvin Cooks over here with Alexander Madison, and they're talking about food. So you're going to have clicks. But when this team gets on the plane, Kirk Cousins transcends through all clicks. Like, it seems like everybody is gravitating to Kirk Cousins now after games. Like, he's not in his own little circle, you know, worried about his own life. He's actually – and they say when – you know, uh, we had um, – couple different players on this season on, on the Ron Johnson show. And, and we've had that come up a couple of times that Kirk Cousins actually takes time during lunch to go around and meet other guys. Like he wants to meet other guys on the team. He wants them to get to know him. He wants to know them. Uh, and guys really appreciate that. Uh, so whether that's the Kevin O'Connell thing, whether he's been doing it, because it sounds like he was doing it before because we've had former players on the show and they bought it up. Uh, but when you think about that, Kirk Cousins kind of becoming the focal point, the center point. Does this seem like a team now that's going to rally around their quarterback, meaning like he gets a late hit? They're going to go out there and they're going to make sure that they know, like that defensive guys are going to have his back. It's not one of those he gets tackled. Like Aaron Rodgers right now, he gets tackled or he, he's throwing a tantrum. Nobody's coming over there to, to like help him up or, or talk to him. Like he's over there throwing tantrums by himself. It seems like he's losing the locker room. Do you feel like Kirk Cousins, that's going to add to just, you know, guys trusting. If he makes a mistake, throws a pick, they have his back. Like, what have you seen from that this season's guys, like, backing up their quarterback? Yeah, one of the most low-key elements of the chain, Kirko Chains thing is I think he said on the Manning cast Monday night that he was also wearing Zadarius Smith's, like, watch or something like that. So it just, <laughs> just spoke to that to that blend that, that goes beyond just, obviously, Justin Jefferson and Christian Darisaw and them giving him his chain. But, no, I mean, 
it's interesting because I, I mean, I don't, I don't remember who I was talking to. They're talking about the quarterback position and how obvious that it is that it requires a leader. And I mean, obviously Kirk and, and some of the, I don't know, people have said so much about him in the past, but I think like, if you listen closely and, and Harrison Smith in the locker room kind of hinted at this, it's like, I don't think this guy gets enough credit for the leadership ability and, and his willingness to, to your point, Ron, like go out of his way to try to meet guys and talk to guys. There was a moment this past week in the locker room that was just like very minor, very small. But I remember I was standing over near Kirk's locker and he's, his locker is right near like Jonathan Bullard randomly and, and Harrison Smith. And I remember Jonathan Bullard was like, reaching his locker to grab a book. I don't remember what the book was, but Kirk was like, oh, have you read that? They had like a three to five minute conversation about what Jonathan Bullard, this interior defensive lineman who hasn't hasn't really started a ton, uh, the book he was reading, it was such a minor thing, but like for the quarterback to take three minutes to even have interest in what Jonathan Bullard was going to read, to me, it was just like, it, it stood out to me because it's not something he has to do. And I think, this year, maybe in years past, but I, I can only speak for this year, you've seen a willingness to just want to be there. I mean, when TJ Hawkinson came over, he said he went to the the video staff of the Vikings and reached out to them and was like, look, I want to, if you guys can, put up a cut up of, of all of his uh, elite tape over the years going back to college. And, and he was asked, why, like, Kirk, why would you, why do you care about that? And maybe it's obvious, but he was like, I want to see this guy at his best so I know what it what I need to do to get him to to reach that potential every week. And so I, I, I do think, as you mentioned, guys rallying around him, you, you've seen it kind of more and more every week. And I think just as as the I don't know, the collectiveness of this group uh, has continued to build, it, it seemed like he's. I, th- I think it's tied together to the chains thing. Like he's embraced it. He's, he's put himself out there in a way that, that matters. And that I think resonates on the field uh, before the, the chain celebrations occur. And this is a season before we jump into the daily three, one last question. This is a season of playoffs uh, unexpectedness, I guess I'll call it. When you look at the teams that are in the playoffs right now, and, and most likely probably will be, that nobody expected. I'm looking like the Jets, the Giants, because people are like, oh, Daniel Jones is not the kid. Well, uh, Brian DeBoe has figured it out. Uh, You look at the Titans. You look at the Dolphins. Like the Dolphins were not early on favorites until they got Tyreek Hill. Chargers have always been right there. We know they were right there last year. But then teams that are out that you're like, what? I mean, you got the Bengals out of it. You got the Raiders out of it. You got the Steelers out of it. You (laughs) – I mean, on the in the NFC side, it's not so much besides you're like, the Rams are out? Like, what? You got the Packers out? The 49ers only have four wins. The Buccaneers only have four wins. So if somehow the NFC South flips and the Buccaneers get pushed out, the Packers only need to win about seven to eight games to still get into the playoffs, which is doable. So people need to stop saying their season is over. They might not win the North. But they can still get in and they can still come back and somehow beat the Vikings in the playoffs because it's not over. Like, that's why I, I don't ever don't ever kick a person when they're down because you're just fe- you're just feeding into that fire. But when you look at the Vikings at seven to one, you got the Eagles at number one, you got the Bills at one and the Chiefs at one. Bills, Chiefs, Eagles, people would all say those teams are legit and playoff bound. But the Seahawks are below the Vikings. Do you think the Vikings can hold on to this number two spot the rest of the way? 
I definitely think it's possible. Um, this this upcoming stretch against obviously Buffalo and Dallas and New England, and, and obviously the Jets are forthcoming. It's gonna, I think, tell the tale of whether that it actually happens. But I mean, I continue to think, and and I I agree with Kirk in that I just don't feel like they've played their best football collectively, especially offensively. I mean, I. I Dug through the numbers last night. They've been unbelievable in the first drive of games, like historically good in the last 15 years. They they have uh, – Kevin O'Connell's opening script has been ridiculous. They've been good at the end of halves. They've been good in fourth quarters. But that that space in between, those those critical points, they, there have been so many lulls. I just I, – I feel like with TJ Hawkinson's further integration, with them obviously seeing the, the ways defense are going to defend Justin Jefferson over nine weeks now. I, I, I think they are in a position to maybe build off that and put together more of a complete game plan. If they do that, then I think they can win some of these games that maybe people might not. I mean, they're at home for some of these games um, and, and hold on that spot. I mean, the Seahawks have been really good. Like I, I Geno Smith, you mentioned him earlier, but he's he's been like really, really good. And they also have a ton of pieces, like offensive line, young pieces. Kenneth Walker, the running back, it's been ridiculous. They still have receivers. Defensively, mm-hmm. they've they've really kind of changed what they've done and improved. So it's not going to be easy, but I think mm-hmm. the start that they've put themselves, uh, I mean, the way they've, they've started this season and kind of the – the ceiling that still remains, I think, I think gives them a chance to, to hold on to that spot. And I think it's going to be important when you think about the playoffs and home field and, and how like how much U.S. Bank can kind of spur what the energy and what they want to do. Yeah. Well, that'll do it for the Hang On Around Johnson segment. We got the daily three coming up. That's three questions, three minutes each. We'll both take half the time. Sam's going to throw the questions out at us, see if he can stump us a little bit or just give us something to, to chew on. But before we jump into that, remember, Locked On Sports Minnesota is a proud partner with CARE 11. Check out our CARE 11. Check out CARE11.com backslash Locked On for links to every one of our Locked On shows. And check out Superior Sports Talk's Reggie Wilson bringing you sports every night on CARE 11. And we have a word from our sponsors. Before I tell you about Built Bar, I just want to remind people about Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. And folks, it's time to get some new Built Bars. Have you run out? Do you need a new shipment? There are some unbelievable reimagined Built Bar flavors like Cookie Dough Topper, Coconut Brownie Bar, Coconut Brownie Topper, and this is great for the holidays, White Chocolate Peppermint Granola. It's built to take on the granola bar. It's filling. It's insanely tasty. It's good for you. 17 grams of protein, and whenever there's chocolate involved, 100% real chocolate in all of these built bars, sink your teeth into the first bite and just change your life. No joke. You got to try this from Built Bar. Get 15% off your order right now by using the promo code LOCKEDON15 at Built.com. That's promo code LOCKEDON15 at Built.com. Alec and Ron, I've got the first two questions involving a pair of Vikings who are on opposite ends of the spectrum. So, Zadarius Mm -hmm. Smith, we'll start with this. He leads the NFL in pressures right now with 46. What an acquisition for Minnesota. Ron, could he be the comeback player of the year? We'll start with you. Well, without digging too much into other players that have come off injury or, you know, had a comeback season, um, I would probably say yes. 
Um, and he would have to like continue on, not just pressures, but sacks. Less than the halfway mark was at eight and a half sacks. So, you know, can he get eight and a half more? Yeah, I don't see why not. 17 sacks is definitely not out of his reach. Uh, as his defense gets more and more, uh, I guess I'd say figured out when you look at him and Daniel Hunter being on the same side in some of these situations. Uh, you know, I think they've got through the the gauntlet. They're almost through the gauntlet of running quarterbacks. They got a couple coming up. Um, but I think that's going to be the biggest issue is figuring that out. Like, what is that going to look like? So I would say yes. I, I, I think he can be. I thought Odell Beckham, but, you know, he's not hurt. Or, sorry, he's not coming back anytime soon, it looks like right now. Uh, so it's not going to be Odell Beckham. If he had come back earlier and he had a ridiculous year, maybe. But I don't know if you can call it a comeback because he played all season except for the Super Bowl. Um, but, yeah, I think Zadarius Smith could do it. Like, I, I don't see uh, why not. The one thing about defensive players, though, it's always tough. It's always tough for defensive players unless, like I said, he has a 17-18 sack season where people can really bring that up. Uh, normally it goes to, like, a quarterback or somebody like that. Uh, that, that people just were like, like wrote them off. And like Geno Smith technically could be the comeback player of the year. And I think that's probably where people might lean uh, because he truly came back. Like he was dead in the water, hadn't played. I don't know if injury matters or just you haven't played in a while. Now you're black back. I think it could be Geno Smith. Like I think Geno Smith could be the comeback player of the year. Alec? Yeah, Gino was the name I was going to bring up. And I don't know, like to, to Ron's point, if the injury stuff plays a big role, and I think it, it should, it could, um, Zadarius has to be mentioned. I mean, I, I I continuously think nationally he has not gotten the – I mean, yes, he won, I believe, NFC Defensive Player of the Week and the Player of the Month. So I guess from a, an award standpoint he has, but just from a buzz of like – uh, I mean, you hear, you've heard so much about Micah Parsons and, and, and the Bosa's and, and Miles Garrett, but I mean, Zedaria Smith has just been a, a, a force and it's been on the inside when they've lined him up against centers and guards, it's been on the outside, on the edge. I mean, he's done it all and he's done it all after a season that he admittedly said, like he thought his career might be over. He, he thought it was like potentially done. And now here he is. The Vikings obviously, I mean, Kwesi and Ophimitsa with this signing looks incredible. Um, and so it's been, it, 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 he, he deserved it. And here's, I'll give you the names of the people that were on the preseason comeback player of the list. Derrick Henry, Jameis Winston, Christian McCaffrey, Michael Thomas, Daniel Jones, Mitchell Trubisky, Baker Mayfield, Marcus Mariota, Chase Young, Deshaun Watson, J.K. Dobbins, and Juju Smith-Schuster. So of that list, I think Christian McCaffrey still has a chance. Derrick Henry still has a chance. Um, Chase Young has not played, so it's not going to be him. So if you replace J uh, uh, Chase Young, his odds were 1,400. The lowest guy, Juju Smith, his odds were plus 2,000. So Derrick Smith probably, I mean, you probably could have thrown a bet out there and just say, hey, just give me plus 10,000 odds, and I just want to put my money on him. They might have let you do it because they're like, look, he's not even on our list. Sure, bet on Zadarius Smith. We don't even know who this guy is. I'll give you 10,000 to one odds. Let me put $100 down, and there's my money. But, yeah, I, I, I think Zadarius Smith, now looking at the Chase Young piece, could be him. But Derrick Henry is playing. Christian McCaffrey is going to have a resurgence season with the 49ers, and then Daniel Jones is doing well uh, with the uh, Giants. And then, of course, Geno Smith, I would throw him up in there. The rest of those guys, nah. Saquon Barkley is another name being tossed out a lot as well yeah. for the Giants. Second question, guys. Um, Ed Ingram, speaking of pressures, he leads the league in pressures allowed. Now, I know Ingram is a rookie going through some growing pains, but would you make a change at right guard with Ingram's recent struggles? We'll start with Alec this time. 
Yeah, I think the easy answer for everybody looking at this situation is to just be like, this guy, Ed Ingram, is, is allowing a ton of pressures. Um, replace him. But I, and maybe this makes me, maybe I'm not thinking critically enough. Maybe I, I, I'm, I'm too soft in my analysis. But if, if replacing him with who they have in the building right now gave them such an upper hand from an interior offensive line perspective, considering where they are at 7-1 and one, and the importance of keeping Kirk Cousins healthy, if it was so obvious, um, I think these people are much smarter than I am at evaluating that and, and, and making that decision. So the fact they haven't, while well, you could argue, yes, it's an ego thing given he's a rookie, and yes, this is who they drafted, they, they're mandating the coaching staff stick, stick with him. I just think this season and the way it's gone – um, puts the onus on having great interior line play at, at, at a at a great level to where um, if it was so obvious to make a switch that with with who they have behind Edigram they would do it. So I I I I think also in the run game he's been pretty he's been pretty good pretty serviceable and so they relied on that. I, I just I'm not there because I I think if it was that obvious a decision would be made with where this team is. Yeah, for me, I'm going to go with no. Like, leave it alone. Like, he's he's a rookie. There's going to be growing pains. The other guard as well, Ezra Cleveland, didn't do well last game. So maybe this was just a team that had really good, like, realizing, you know what, Christian Derrissaw, we're not going to try him. And then Brian O'Neill, we're not going to try him. Let's try up the middle, a la Vikings versus Saints. I think a year or two ago when Everson Griffin and Daniel Hunter moved inside and worked against the guards and centers against the Saints and got a ton of pressure in the playoffs. Uh, sometimes defensive coordinators just pull stuff like that out their hat. We saw a lot of twists. There was not there was only like one or two plays that I can remember where it was just flat out man on man and he got pushed back. But other than that, there was some confusion twists. There were some outside crashes, which for anybody like people posting that video of um uh Montez Sweat just barreling in on the guard and then going up like you tell me you can stand looking to your left and a 290 pound grown-ass man coming like barreling down and you don't know he's coming because you think your tackle is handling that hits you from the side you're telling me you're not gonna go flying too like get out of here with that bs man like it is this is one of those sports where receivers receivers we saw Kadarius Tony do this chipping a defensive end that's 290 pounds and the receiver's 155 because he didn't see him. It's called a blind side. So, no, I think that was a struggle game. Uh, let's see how they do against the Bills. But at the end of the day, they're 7-1. and one. So why would you mess with the chemistry of a 7-1 and one team? Let's just play it out, see how they go, and get it going. All right, last one. This brings us back to our opening segment. Let me, let me preface it with this. We did a segment before the season started where Bet Online produced – the most valuable players in football relative to the spread. And there was nobody more important to the spread than Josh Allen to the betting line. He's worth eight points on his own. So knowing that, if Josh Allen does not play on Sunday, if Case Keenum is the Bills starter, should the Vikings be favored to win that game on the Vegas spread? We'll start with Ron this time. Uh, no. Uh, I don't think so. I think it's going to get closer. I, that's why I told people, everybody remember, betonline.net. I told y'all at the beginning of the week, bet on the Vikings to cover. I told y'all this at the beginning of the week. Sam, play that video. I know Matt can put the video in he there. Did. 
I yep. said bet on the Vikings early because those points are going to be well worth it early in the week. You should have went to betonline.net and booked it because it's going to get lower and lower and lower. It's probably going to end up at three and a half, probably, or two and a half, I'd say, by the end of the week. So if you didn't go take advantage of that nine points they were trying to give you for the Vikings, your fault. You could have had easy money, better than waiting on Florida to figure out the Powerball. Um, but – Hey, it was an easy one because I knew that the Vikings would cover. I didn't put the Josh Allen in there, but now they're for sure going to cover. Uh, should they be favorites? No, because the defense for the Bills hasn't changed. They still have two of the best uh, defenders back there on the back end. Uh, their safeties are absolutely ridiculous. They try to confuse the crap. Out. Leslie Frazier is still defensive coordinator. Uh, he has nothing to do with the offense. You still have Stephon Diggs and Gabe Davis. You still have Knox. I mean, they still have beasts. They still have Singletary. Like, they still can move the ball. Like, Case, the only difference they're going to miss without Josh Allen is the run that Josh Allen gives them, the ability with his legs. Um, so, yeah, I don't think they should be favors, but I think it's going to come down to about a two-and-a-half-point spread. Alec? I completely agree with Ron. No, no, not in Buffalo, not with that fan base and, and how much they've kind of fed off what this team has given them the last few years. No, no chance. Um, and, and, and Ron laid out the reasons why, but – um, look, I mean, I, this defense is really, really tough. They, 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 they've shut down a lot of really good offenses. Leslie Frazier has put together incredible game plans because he has the personnel to do it. I mean, I, I as much as we, we could talk about the spread, I mean, I, I really hope this weekend we get to see Von Miller matched up against Christian Derisaw because what Christian Derisaw has done um, over this, this first half of the season has been just ridiculously impressive, and Von Miller is who he is. So to see that matchup would, would be phenomenal, but it's not going to be easy. Um, but no, I, I, I think this Vikings team, they just haven't proven it against a, a, a team of this upper echelon. I mean, obviously the Eagles game was what it was, but with that not having happened, it's hard to, to, to give them the advantage going in this environment against this team and case Keenum is, is not, I mean, you know, you guys know better than I do. He's a backup who is capable. So um, no, they, they should not. Yeah. Great stuff from Alex Lewis, Alec Lewis from the uh, athletic covers the Vikings. I want to thank you guys all for joining me today on the Ron Johnson show. That's Sam Ekstrom. I'm Ron Johnson. We got Matt DeBritz back there working on the keys. I want to thank you guys. And remember, if you want endless Vikings talk, make sure you subscribe to Locked On Sports Minnesota on YouTube where you can find all of our videos, all of our shows, instant podcasts after every single game, and the Vikings press conference delivering all the biggest news. Like our videos, leave your comments in the section below, and let us know what you think. Is Adair Smith the comeback player of the year, or is it going to be somebody else? And if the Vikings face Case Keenum, should they be favored to win this game, or is it still a Buffalo Bills game? to lose. Let us know what you think, but I want to thank you guys and have a great day.